Fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. And we're going to read verse 6 and 9. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Now the whole city did not hear that cry. Just ten people heard. And verse 9 said, But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Because verse 8 says, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Our lamps are gone out. Verse 3, tell the true story. I said their lamps didn't go out like you think. Verse 3 says, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Lord, bless the service. Magnificently anoint us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Put on the board for me. The apostle Peter said, and with many of the words, Luke wrote that Peter said, he testified, exhorted, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Charismatic will tell me you cannot save yourself. That Jesus alone going to save you, and that's all there is. And I repeat, if that was true, 8 billion people would be saved. Because I know it's not his will that anybody perish. But also, he never violates free will or free moral agency, which God so beautifully gave to us. Nobody in this building is a robot. But I'm going to say tonight that Matthew 24 and 25 are the two last chapters in the life of Jesus. And he's not talking to the Pharisees or the Sadducees or to the city or to Rome. But he's talking to the 12. Would you believe that? He's not talking to thousands. Twelve in the congregation. Eleven are genuine. One is a counterfeit. Judas, nobody know the true martyr or belief of Judas. After all, he worked miracles and signs and wonders with the rest of the apostles and preached and taught and saw miracles. And he was numbered with the twelve. 
So there are 11 that were genuine and one that was not. Only Jesus knew that Judas was never genuine from the beginning. And that's amazing how a man may not be genuine and truthful, and yet he's allowed to have power. Matthew 10 said he had power and authority and works signs and wonders and miracles. That's why miracles and signs and wonders are not credential that you're truthful. And if you chase it, you could be deceived. Because the lying wonders of the devil will be used extensively as we move on in perilous, troublesome times. But Jesus drew his disciples apart from the temple worship and sat upon a mountain, and they began to quiz Jesus about what they can know and what they could not know. They wanted to know if they would see Jesus restore the kingdom at this time. And he told them it's not for you to know that time. And they talked to him about the temple, the temple that talked to you about that they pulled away from the hands of that wicked Antiochus Epiphany and survived to the day of Jesus Christ and become Herod's temple. And uh, they began to show Jesus the beauty of the temple and how it was lavishly with gold and bronze and silver and such like. It was like Europeans showing you their cathedral of antiquity. Nobody attends it, but they'll show the picture of their great cathedrals. Show the brick and the mortar and the painting. That's what they glory in. But nobody have been saving there lately. Nobody prayed there lately. In fact, we were in Rome and they tell us, hush, speak with your eyes, but make no sound. And I didn't know the church would become a cemetery instead of a sanctuary. Only in the cemetery, you, do, you hear no noise. Amen, except you're in Ezekiel Boneyard, where bones are coming together. Then there's some noise from the fossils. And so they were talking to Jesus, and I want you to know, when you read that, those two chapters, he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to People that profess to follow him. People that profess to belong to him. And Jesus began to tell them that I'm going to describe to you the seasons and the times in which I will return. But I'm not going to tell you the date and the hour. That's not for you to know. But he said, I'm going to give you some indication about the times and the seasons that my coming will come for his people. And so you read in the 24th chapter, Jesus lists a whole long list of distress of nation, cataclysmic activities in the nature and in the world and governments and famine and pestilence, you name it. It's all there. He said, when you see these things, then you know something is about to happen. And he gave them warning about the coming of the Son of Man. And then he gave a parable and said, my coming will be like a thief, a burglar who watches you come and go, 
but never will tell you that he's going to visit your home when you're unprepared for his unexpected visitation. He said, my coming will be like that burglar. I'm going to come in a moment. He's talking to the disciples. When you, my disciples, do not expect it. Now, obviously, they expect an immediate coming of the Lord. And he did not tell them that. He told them about the seasons. He talked about a fig tree blossoming. He talked about nations and prophets, false prophets, and world events. And then he kicked into them more particularly and said there were 10 virgins. Now I want you to know, beloved, they look the same. They look alike. I don't believe there were any distinctive mark you could tell from the external that there was a difference between them. You could not tell. They're all virgins. There are 10 of them. It said they're virgins. And they had the same visionary goal, the coming of a bridegroom. They had a role and responsibility. They were not the bride, but they were the procession leaders to welcome the return of the bridegroom to enter into marriage. We do not know the waiting spot where they waited. We do not know where they were going to go once he arrived. But we know they had a job description as virgins, and they took their lamps. And their responsibility was, when you hear the coming is announced, go out and meet him. Be ready when he comes. You don't know if it's in the first watch, the second watch, or the third watch, or what time of day, but you must be ready to meet him. And the Bible said, obviously, they had to go on a journey to fulfill the requirements of their job description. And so they, that day they got up and they went on a journey. Let me digress for a minute here. You know, the AMA and all those guys that help people in times like these weather here, it's just amazing how many cars, how many calls come to CAA and AMA for help. Cars that run out of petrol. They know where they are going. And many, many, many hundred years ago, you couldn't tell how much gas was left in the in the in the, in the carburetor. I mean, in the in the tank. You had to put a dipstick to find out. But in our modern time, you got an electronic system on the dashboard that will tell you how many miles you can go with what you got, and tell you when your E means empty. Hello, E means empty. It doesn't mean emergency left. It means empty. <laughs> and a lot of people will look at that needle and they will say, well, we can make it. They don't think it's going to be crucial in a crisis down the road. And they make assumption and they will not carry adequate gas 
And next thing you know, they run out of petrol. And they cry for help. But it's not because they weren't warned. The warning lights went out on the dashboard. The beeper lights went off like your seatbelt does. And you've learned to ignore it until you become tone deaf to it as if it's not going off. It's still going off, but you learn how to tone out that wavelength. And so they, they will be stranded miles and miles away from home and seeking rescue mission to help them out because they were not wise and preparing for the journey. Well, these people here, they're not called the bride. I don't know what cl clothing they had on, but one thing I know, they had to have lamps. They expect somewhere in the journey to come in contact with darkness. And the daytime, you don't need lamps. So I can see how easily during their travel in the daytime when everything looked normal, I don't need oil because there is no darkness. It's not midnight. The ballast know they traveled a certain distance. And then they come to a certain place for rest, perhaps, and they began to sleep. And when you see them traveling, you could not tell by looking at the people, the ten of them marching, walking, that they were actually two group of people there. They all look the same. They all had the same vision and mission, and they're going one direction. How could you tell? Half of them are foolish, and half of them are wise. How could you tell? But they had their lamps. Now, their lamps would be such that it's like a flack in the hand. And one group knew <laughs> that what I have won't be sufficient. So they took oil and the lamp. Not oil in the lamp, but oil and the lamp. And then the other took their lamp, but no oil. Because they figured somewhere down the road we can get it. We have time to make good what's not right at this time. And so procrastination became the thief of opportunity. And they gave up opportunity for procrastination. And there's something about habits will prevent you from learning new skills. And you'd have thought they would have looked at the other group and said, you know what? My sister or my brother or whatever have got oil plus lamp plus ability to light, maybe I should do the same. They watch each other on that journey. And the Bible says, the bridegroom, for some reason, did not show up when they expected him. And so he tarried, and they got tired of waiting, and they fell asleep. Now, I, I just married a couple of while ago. I'll tell you, I was tempted. I was tested. 
and I was tried, and I came out as pure gold. But I'll say it will never happen to me again, never in the history of my life, never will. I waited two hours, two to three hours for them to show up at the appointed time that they planned to get married. Three hours, and that forced me to drive home in the dark, which my wife does not like to do. So it put me in the jeopardy of the night spell. But I try to be great, gracious and be nice and say, okay, fine, next time. Any one of you want me to marry you, you're going to pay down $2,500 cash. And if you're five minutes late, you're forfeited that cash. You're going to sign a contract with me that I will not wait for you. I'll walk off with $2,500 and I'm going home. You're going to find a JP. Because TB and JC is gone. And we won't be hanging around. Then I begin to understand what it meant when Jesus says, he will not tarry. He will not wait. And I remember the, the family just saying to me, we're on our way. We're coming. We're on our way 1,500 times. And it never happened. But God being gracious, and I want to be a good name. I stick around and hang around, but my heart was heavy. And I thought to myself, that's what Jesus Christ was trying to teach us. He will not wait for anybody to get ready. Everybody that's going to be with him has to be ready, not getting ready. And so at midnight, the cry came. That means he stayed longer than they thought to. And who want to go to a marriage at midnight? That's when you go to bed. But that's when he showed up. After all, he is the primary uh, person in the situation. So they have no choice but to usher him to the marriage. He's, they said, behold, the bridegroom cometh. And they all shook themselves. And then truth began to bring about separation. Because here we're going to separate the boys from the girls and the wives from the foolish. When they got up, they lit their lamps. And I believe there was residual oil in the lamps of the foolish. And there was oil in the lamps of the wise. Now, if you travel from Fort McMurray to Edmonton in the daytime, there's no need for you to have a flashlight. But when darkness comes, flashlight become useful. And you may not be one of those that have contingency plan. Like a farmer taught me many years ago before he died. You never travel without a flashlight. You always expect the night to catch you on the journey. And if you don't have light, you can become a casualty of darkness. And you could be in grave trouble. You could have a flat tire, you can't change it. 
Your car could be in whatever situation. And because you have no night plan, you don't have no emergency situation to bring you out of that situation. And so I believe they struck the light and brought the light to their lamp and all that was in there quickly burnt out. I believe it came on and went off because it was dried up. There was nothing in the wick. And so the other group is trimming their lamps because we know in the Caribbean we used to have lamps. When you trim your lamp, it shines brighter because there's soot that falls that comes around there and prevent the light from illumin illuminating the place. But when you clip off that extra soot, you get fresh, exposed material to burn. And the oil have a way of absorption factor. It pulls up the oil, up that wick, and begin to become the fuel. Well, this other group did not have any oil. They have a lamp, a vessel, and they got a trimmer, but they got no oil. And here's where selfishness pays off big time. In Christianity, normally you have all things in common. But here's one time in your life, when it comes to your salvation, you have got to be selfish. Give us off your oil. And they said, not so. Because if we begin to share what we five have preserved with you five that don't have, it's like me trying to charge up a dead battery with a live battery. And pretty soon, both batteries going to be dead. I did it before with my Crown Victoria. Amen. I try to transfer power from one car to another, and the dead one killed the live battery. And my engine was blown almost. It killed it on the spot. And what they're saying is, I don't want you kill my chance of meeting my job description. I don't want you to interfere with my plan for guiding the bridegroom to the marriage. So here's what you do. What you could have done, you had opportunity and time to do, and you had not done, now here's your chance to do it because now you have a crisis on your hand. And I'm not in a position to help you. Go and buy because you know where to get the oil. You can afford it if you want to. And you know that it's needful. But you are neglectful, so I can't give you of my oil. You know, church, I want you to understand this. The Bible says the cry is made. There's a, there's a time lapse between the cries made and the time he showed up. There's a distance and a time involved. And when they went, they're losing time, and they went out to get it. And by the time they're out there going, guess what happened? Guess who showed up? The bridegroom showed up. He's not interested in them who procrastinate and vacillate. He's not interested in them. He's more interested in the marriage. He wants to go see his bride. And so he says, I am here. 
The noise was made that I'm coming. I've arrived. It's time for me to go in. And five took him in. I want you to notice he did not say, where are the nine? Where are the other five? Hello? He was content to go in with just five. And the other five did not bother him at all. Now, here's what happened. When they went in with him, the five that went in did not say to him, could you please wait? There are five more to join us. Would you please wait till we, they come back? They got and got the oil. He said, don't you understand? I am here for a wedding. I'm here for a marriage. I'm not here to worry about the parties. The parties should be here waiting on me. In every marriage, the parties must be waiting for them to arrive. Now, it's not like the marriage you see today. They got their own Eastern custom, how they got married. And they went in, and they went, the door was shut. That's when calamity comes back. Now, my question is, when the other five came back, I want you to see that picture. I could see them probably nervous, tension-driven, catastrophe as Hitler. And they realized we shouldn't have been in this situation. We had the same opportunity, the same knowledge, the same in all things to be ready. But we chose not to, and we felt we had time to. And we got caught. And now we're going to call AMA or CAA to boost our battery. But guess what? The door is shut. Those that are in are locked in. Those that are out are locked out. Jesus is not talking to the Pharisees. He's not talking to the public out there at large who are just curious, careless listeners. He's talking to professing disciples, the twelve that said they are his disciples. He's given them a lesson of the need of preparedness, the need of suddenness of his return, and only those that have made the preparation are going to be there at the celebration. Think about it. And they came, and they're knocking. Lord, they call him Lord, Master, Lord, open the door, open to us, open to us. I'm going to tell you what God told me tonight before I come to preach. I'll tell you in a minute. Open to us, let us in. And the voice of the wise were not heard, but the voice of the bridegroom. I know you not. I don't know you. That's sad. Open up. Let us in. I don't know what they got. Whatever they went to buy, where they got it from, I don't know where they got it from. And they came with something looked like oil. Could be counterfeit. Could be false. Because the supply is cut off. And they don't have access to it. And they could have afforded. 
And the Lord said they're going to cry and weep. And out there locked out, they're going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He said, watch ye therefore, for ye neither know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is going to come. What does the Lord try and teach us? In my Bible, oil always represents the Holy Spirit. From Genesis to right now, oil always represents the Holy Ghost. And oil is always linked with the altar or with anointing. Where the oil is, there is anointing. And the anointing is known to break the yoke. Or the anointing was used for king making. Or anoint the prophets. And the oil was also known for burning at the inside the tabernacle. What the Lord is telling us that there are some people who will be in our congregation, on our pews. They look the part, dress the part, their hair to their fingertips, to their toe nails, they look like one of us. They have not gone out from us, but they cleave to us. But inwardly, they are not of us because they have not the anointing and the spirit. The Apostle Paul puts it this way to the Corinthians church, chapter 13, verse 4 to 5. He said, look, examine yourself. The very thing the virgins fail to do. They did not examine their vessels at the appropriate time. And when they choose to do it, it was too late after the fact. Amen. And so he said, if you are in the faith or you're outside the faith, what he's saying to the 12, examine yourself and see if when I return, will you be welcome into the marriage supper and the marriage of the Lamb of God? Will you have made that preparation? There were 380 souls that did not tarry in the upper room. 120 stayed, and they were filled with the holy oil, the anointing that will break the yoke. If any man or woman have not the spirit of Christ, you are none of his. You may say, Pastor, I don't have lights to come on to let me know if I have the Holy Spirit oil or not, but God gave us some signs that will follow us. If the lamp has oil, there are signs that follow. And these signs shall follow them which have the oil in my name. And Jesus began to illustrate what to look for. Let you know that you have the goods. You're not just professing, but I'm a possessor of what I profess and not just 
pretending, but I don't have it at all. I have the form, I have the shape, but I don't have the substance. They were locked out. He's telling the 12, if you are not ready, when I come, I will lock you out. Can you imagine that? What become of the foolish virgins? They never made it to the marriage. Now, what he's trying to tell us, church, he's talking about people to whom an open door of opportunity to serve him is given. Open door. You know, the rich young ruler, that guy was quite a kid because the Lord said he'd have a good, clean life. He did, and the Lord loved him. He kept all the Ten Commandments. So we could call him, could call him a virgin also because he was clean living. But when the Lord began to describe to him what is required to get in, he walked away sad. Why would God say in the Revelation, he that is holy, be holy still. And he that is righteous, remain righteous still. And he that is filthy, remain filthy still. What he's saying, once the door is closed, your status is sealed. There is no reclamation. There's no recovery. There is no collaboration to take place. You are fixed when the door is closed. I remember we're going to a conference in the States, either this year or last year, and uh, the plane delay in different stops. And my connection was very crucial. The, the leverage of time I had gradually de decreases and, de and was removed because of the delay in the flights and the air and the travel. And so the more they delayed, the more nervous I got. And the more I inquire, will I catch my connection? I left with good intention to be there on time. And beyond my ability, I was delayed. I felt in such a way that it was not my fault. I did everything I could. And we finally got to the airport and I ran, I ran, and I promise I won't do that again. I ran and ran, and the airport between the plane and where I'm running from, where I got off to get on this other plane, was so long. And there was no cart to carry me. And when I get there, they just close the door. They call my name, Mr. and Mrs. Neal. This is your last call. We are about to close the door. This is your last call. I didn't hear it, but they were calling my name. But they still called my name, even though I didn't hear it. But I ran and ran. And I finally got there and saw the door shut. It's the policy of the airline. Once the door is shut, you do not open it. For any person. No matter what they say, you just don't 
open that door. I could look outside to the glass and see the plane on the runaway. And if I miss that plane, I'm going to miss all my other flights. I was just a few minutes late. And they would not open the door. And to my chagrin, there was no other flights available to me. In fact, we had to switch planes, air, airlines, to get me to a place where the next morning I could possibly get on board to go where I need to go within a certain reasonable time. But you see, I had the chance of another flight. There will be no other flight once the church put on pluming wings like a dove and fly out of here like an eagle and go on where the carcass is. There will not be another flight. As we sit here tonight, I believe all of us may not be wise virgins. And all of us in this building right now may not be foolish virgins. But one thing I know, we're acting like virgins. We're acting like we want to be in the marriage. We act like we want to be there at the right time. But only God knows, and you know, if you've got oil in your lamp. Only you know if you've got the price paid for oil. Maybe all you have is just a form and just a vessel. You know, we got people, they say, well, I'm a Pentecostal. But they don't have the Pentecostal experience. Oh, we go to that church, but we don't have the same experience they've got. And they'll go through the form and the ritual. And the mouse know it's going to be so sad. They're going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Why did they not take oil? I'm going to tell you who those peoples are. They're going to be lost in every city. There's a group of people who they know the truth. They know the times. They see the signs of the times. And they understand there's a bridegroom coming. They never show up at prayer meetings. Therefore, they have no oil. In their lamps. Because the oil is always linked with the altar. They have no altar life with them. There are people that will never show up at Bible study. Never will show up at the church called, duly called Bible study. And they have no revelation of the times that they're living in. They all assume Sunday will take care of everything. Sunday morning, if the Lord comes Sunday morning, you'll have a great church. But if he come during prayer meeting and Bible study, he's going to suffer a great loss. He will not have many lamps with oil in them. And I think about the Lord said, many churches today are, as they see the day approaching, they don't see the day because there are churches that will not read the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is to give us the times 
and the seasons that we're living in. It was not written to sinners. It was written to the churches of God. Read your Bible. Matthew 24 and 25 was not written to sinners. It was written to Christians. And I'm going to tell you right now, nine out of ten professing Christians are ostrich with their head in the sand. And they're not stirred. It's like <laughs> Pharaoh had a dream. In that dream, he saw seven years of plenty. And he was smart enough to realize that meant something that is at seven years of leanness. He called his magician and said, I got to know what this means because I got to prepare myself for what's about to happen to us. Amen. The magician couldn't help him. Somebody said, there's a guy down in prison that you have down there. He got insight in the time, like the tribe of Issachar. He understand the times and the season and know what Pharaoh needs to do. And if Pharaoh is smart, you better call him because he's going to tell you what it means that you might not be a victim of the calamity. Joseph came and said, Pharaoh, your dream and your vision is God giving you the climate of the times that you're going to go through. Seven years of plenty. And then seven years of starvation and famine. And the Bible says, Joseph says, Pharaoh, you better get some oil in your lamp. You better get some corn in your crib. Because you are going to be deceived by the seven years of plenty. I'm trying to tell you, it's just like Sodom. Well watered. Abundance of idleness. Abundance of time. That it even deceived Lot and his wife. But the Bible said in that same verse, there were sinners exceedingly wicked. And God planned to destroy that place. But that's not what he see. I'm talking about Christians who are bench warmers. They can't see the writing on the wall. Because they don't have any revelation. They have no divine inspiration to tell them what meaneth this. What does it mean? What does that on the wall mean? They have no connection with the man of God or the things of God to tell them what it means. When about that night, they're about to lose their soul. Sodom don't even realize that in Sodom, there's like two angels. Angels of hope. And they didn't even realize it. Amen. Because it was at nighttime. It's at midnight. Amen. And, and so the, the, the young man says, you better plan for the hard days. When you look in your Bible, they were showing Jesus the good times of the temple. And Jesus said, let me tell you about the bad times of the temple. There's coming a time when you won't admire this temple. Whatever stone will be taken down, and Israel will be surrounded by soldiers, and abomination and desolation going to take place. But I'm going to tell you what to be like. Don't be that foolish virgins that knew the bridegroom is coming and had no preparation. And so Pharaoh was saved from the calamity, but read 
the people were not. Because Pharaoh had a, a garage <laughs> that he made. I mean, a, a big old halo, or what do you call it? Silo, rather, where he stored up for the famine that's coming in the land. He made preparation for calamity when the people were enjoying the blessing and seemed like nothing is going to happen until calamity hit. And they sold themselves, sold their family because they were hit without any preparation for the days that were ahead of them. Let's worship the Lord. Church, I'm going to give you Peter's commendation. Save yourself. Young people, save yourself. Do not make the mistake the Renaissance, the philosopher, and science are telling you that all things continued as they were from the beginning. I'm going to tell you, my friend, it's time to be filled full of the Holy Ghost. Because if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. A lot of people are going to try to enter in and cry, Lord, Lord, open to us. But He said, He will answer them, Verily, I know you not. I don't know you. So he said to the disciples, watch therefore, for you know not the day or the hour. What does watch mean? Sit on your pews like this and watch the weather? No. He said, I've given you signs that tells you that the bridegroom is coming. And if you don't have the anointing and the Holy Ghost, he that raised Christ from the dead, if you don't have a baptism of him, you cannot enter in. Many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Let's, re let's worship God. Those virgins, Jesus called them stupid. He said they were dumb. They knew he's coming. They knew they need oil. They had what it takes to buy it. But they thought with indifference, I've got time. I don't need to stir. I want to tell you, church, churches today have reduced their services one service per week. You know what I think? They're dumb and stupid. You tell me, I said, they're dumb and they're stupid. You said, why do you say that, Pastor Neil? They're like these five foolish virgins. Paul said, Jesus told him, not forsaken. When the bridegroom came, he found five People assembled together with vessels, not empty, full, full of oil. What's the qualification? Oil. 
It's a terrible thing like Samson to be sleeping and somebody cut off your anointing and you didn't even know it. And you got up and shook yourself like you always did and not realize the glory has departed. The anointing is gone. Samson didn't realize it. These guys didn't realize the oil that they just thought was in the weak burnt out. And they have no reserve. Paul said, so much the more as I see the day approaching. If there's ever time I need to draw close to Jesus is now. There are 10 things I want this church to know right now. If you plan to be wise, for them that are wise, they're going to shine, the Bible says. You know why you shine? Because your lamp has oil in the wick. When your lamp goes out, you're in darkness. You become a part of the darkness. Or you become a part of the light. And the Bible said when there's light, the candle is on a hill. And that candle has a wick that's hooked up to some petrol. And the Bible said work out your own salvation. Hallelujah. Number one, work out your own salvation. Beloved, say to God, I'm going to say to you, church of God, you're faithful, you pay your tithe, you show up in church, you don't put your work ahead of church or your family ahead of church or your real estate business ahead of church. You are a wise virgin. You will enter into the marriage supper of the Lamb. You will be. Peter says, save yourself. Nobody can do it for you. You have got to save yourself from this unbelieving, Christless generation. The Bible says if you become drunken with the drunkards and reveling with them, hallelujah, then you will perish with them. Number three, he said, examine yourself. Don't expect the pastor to do it. You come on, you check your lamp. You do your own trimming. Do your own maintaining of your, lamp, your vessel. He says, amen, trim your lamp or examine yourself. Am I truly in the faith? I know what backsliders are doing. Let me tell you what they're doing. They're edging their bets. They're going to wait for the last minute. While you toil and go to trials and tribulations and hardship for the name of Jesus, and you're faithful in every service, and you're not forsaking the assembling together of yourself, and they live like the devil. And they're going to wait the last minute just when they think it's going to happen and just come right on in. It's not going to happen. The Lord said there's a surprise element that's going to hit them. It's going to be like the days of Noah. The sky was blue. The sun was shining. Raindrops never fell. No clouds ever gathered of storm to come. It was normal. Not even Noah was aware of the time and the date. But God said, Noah, step on that ark. 
when he stepped on it, calamity struck. I want to tell you, saints of God, if there's ever a time a world filled with believers, they all believed. But there was a belief that could not help them. I feel so sorry for that man that was in hell praying prayer that God couldn't answer, hearing sermon that couldn't save him. Jesus went down to hell and preached to souls in hell sermon that couldn't help them. I don't know if Baxter knew this, but the Bible says when the church is gone, the gospel will be preached by an angel that will make a worldwide tour preaching the everlasting gospel that will save nobody. Why? Because the door is shut. He said, what door, Pastor Neil? John wrote in chapter 4 of Revelation, after God cleansed his church, the seven churches, he said, and I saw a door open in heaven, and the voice says, come on up, a little higher. And those that were ready went up and became the 24 elders, dressed in white, robed with a crown on their heads. And they sat on thrones, and they worshiped God. You know who they were? These are they that came out of the world that made a covenant of sacrifice with God. And then it said the door was shut, and nobody was saved after chapter 4. Let's worship Jesus. Beloved, number 4, make your calling and election sure. There must come a time when you got to abandon sister so-and-so and abandon brother so-and-so who are chronic backsliders. They're chronic failures. They don't make up their mind to live for God. They will not pay the price to walk with God. And they will drag you out of the race from God's grace. Got to make up in your mind. Sorry, honey, can't help you. It's my prayer time. I got to make my calling and election sure. Number five, I've got to get my own oil. Go buy your own oil. I told my wife I'm not going to no more conferences. I'm not paying all this dollars and cents and fly over there just to hear nothing but a little peddling of the water. I want somebody to stir me and tell me, wake up, you sleeper. Wake up. Let Christ give you light. The night is far spent. You're closer than you ever was before. Nobody's talking about us coming. Nobody's interested in the fact that the times are showing us that there's a handwriting on the wall that Jesus coming is nigh more than before. Nobody's stirred. Why? Because they have no oil in their lamp and oil means revelation. Where there is no revelation, there is no inspiration. And where there is no inspiration, there is no illumination. We become a part of the darkness. It's time for me to get oil in my lamp. And the number six, I got to trim my lamp. I got to lay aside these weights that easily beset us that I can fly out of here. As long as that caterpillar stay with a cocoon, he can't get out of here. But you got a break of a breakthrough. You need a spiritual breakthrough. Church is not business as usual. Somebody got to stir themselves 
I told you on Friday night, the Pope changed the Ten Commandments. The translators changed Matthew 28, 90, and 20. Most pastors, phone your pastors and ask them if they know about it. They say, we don't even know this. This is a thing that's happening. Why? They're not seeing the writing on the wall. They're not seeing where they are. Hallelujah. And most churches have their heads in the lap of Delilah. And she's about to cut them off while she put them to sleep. Great men lose their kingdom while they slept. Caesarea, Jehel could not destroy him with the sword, but she gave him milk. Hallelujah. And put him to bed and put a nail in his temple and smote him. And he died. And Caesarea, with their iron chariots, fallen by women that put him to sleep. Church, there's a great whore in chapter 7 Revelation is bringing you and me to sleep that we may not understand the times. God's trying to tell us we need the tribe of Asakar spirit, Isakar spirit in this church. You can say, Pastor, you're crying, wolf, wolf, the sky's falling. You tell me that 100 years from now, when I make it to heaven and you are in hell and you find yourself locked out, you could have been saved. You should have been saved. Judas did not have to be in a place of perdition. It could have been a place of paradise. But he never thought it could happen. And when he woke up, it was too late. Amen. You got to pay the price to get the oil in your lamp. Number seven. Amen. God, take care of your own vessel. You can't assume. You got to be sure. You got to be sure. I got my oil up to the level and more than I need. The Bible tells the story about this woman. She said, the creditors are coming. And I can't pay the bills. She never thought the oil in her house meant something. So the man of God says, you know what? You are underestimating what's in your house. It can get you out of the debt you're in. Hallelujah. If you get involved with evangelism, and bringing souls to your house, and we're going to pour that all that's in your house into them, I'll pay your bills and I'll pay your debts. If you get involved with evangelism, go out and borrow some vessels and bring them to your house and share what's in your house, the oil. There are churches, there are people in pews can't even witness, don't even, can't defend the oneness of God, can't defend the plan of salvation, have never heard of the gifts of the Spirit, don't even know what that is, never seen the fruit of the Spirit, can't explain how many disciples there were, how many apostles there were. They have no idea because you know what? They're shallow. Ever learning but never coming to the truth. Learn everything that's about the word of God. But somebody got to rise up and take care of the vessels. Number eight, that wedding garment. The most terrible thing to do is to come to the light. We used to go to the dances before, and my suit looked pretty nice. But they have a little thing they put on your mark, like the mark of the beast. Strobe lights, fluorescent light. And my nice suit that looks so nice and clean, as soon as I go into that light, every defect shows up. All the trash on my clothing. 
I feel so embarrassed, I backed away from the light. Hallelujah. It's exposing me. You see, my friend, people that don't go to church are not going to live a repentant life. When I was away for the last two weeks, all week God is telling me, go home and tell the church what I told the seven churches. It's time to clean up the church. It's time to get the influence of Jezebel out of the church. It's time to get Nicholas' influence out of the church. It's time to get Balaam influence of the church. It's in every church. I go and see them all the time, and they can go to bed with us one more night with the frogs. Has it ever crossed your mind how they left Egypt? It was midnight. At midnight, there was a cry. Go out with Moses. But when you're going, purge yourself of all the leavens. And when you go out there, because you have no candle, I'll give you the Shekinah. You know the sad part of the fact of Shekinah? The Bible says Eli and his sons lost the glory, Ichabob, to cover the temple. And the Bible says King Saul could have a kingdom in the absence of the Shekinah. When last you talk in tongues? When last you were drunk in the spirit? When last you felt the anointing that you couldn't move, you couldn't get up? When last you had trembling lips and quivering hands? When last you felt that? When last you talked in tongues till you couldn't speak in English? And yet that doesn't bother you. Yes, that's the seal of the testament of the covenant. God says, I don't want no spot on your garment. Before I close, there's a story told about a man stood before Jesus. And he stood at the, the judgment seat. He said, Lord, I love you. And he raised his hands up. And when he raised his hands up, a little spot shows up on his garment. And he saw it. And he felt like God didn't see it. So he went like this. And he covered it up and said, Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. Like he's holding his heart. But the spots are spreading. And the Lord saw what was going on and says, Now, son, raise your hands and worship me. And look at his hands in that little spot. That little spot. Hallelujah. Begin to spread. Paul says a little leaven. Leaven the whole what? This what? The whole lump. Let's stand. Garments washed. No spot. I must confess, I have an obsession. I believe next year will be Worse for our world. And I can't take it when I sit beside preachers and hear them worry about government passing laws that they feel going to hurt them. I don't hear them say signs of the times. I don't hear them say 
It's time to work exploit. Many of you in the pews are not aware that right now there are plans to make you the victim of antichrist. You're walking there with your eyes wide open because you become a part of the darkness. You have no revelation. You have no illumination. You have no divine inspiration. You're just blinded like the rest of the world. And you're not praying for God to open your eyes. And you're untouched by the seasons because you don't have any oil. It's a dangerous thing to be empty. To be empty. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, it's time to get your helmet of salvation. He says, and knowing the time, who knows the time? The church doesn't know what time is. What are you talking about? And knowing the time, he's talking to people who know the time. That's high time to awake out of your sleep. These guys don't understand. What are you talking about? You're wasting your time. In fact, they said, Pastor, you're over my head. You're right, you're over your head. It's high time to wake out of your sleep and your slumber because the time is closer. Most of you are like people in the car in the passenger seat, and all you heard was bang to the crash. And next thing you know, there's blood everywhere, but you don't know what happened. It just hit you. It's the blow that you didn't see that knocks you out. Church? Do you know what time it is? Do you honestly know? Do you know what the economy really means? Do you know what the weather pattern means? Do you really know what the government really are getting up to? Do you understand why you don't feel like praying? Do you understand why you don't feel like being faithful to church? Do you understand why you're more culturally minded than spiritually minded? Do you understand why you're doing that? Church. It's time to check your oil. Get that oil. In Highway 63, we used to gauge our car. My precious wife don't get mad at me. They said, we get all gas down the next station. I said, no, I don't trust it. Because sometimes they shut down without notice. And most times, in fact, in all times, I've been right. They shut down. And if I didn't have extra gas, I wouldn't make it to the city. I'd be stranded on the highway. Church, for the next five years, I'm going to hound you like a hound dog. I'm going to shake you till you won't like it. You either have to quit this church or bow at the altar. But I'm going to shake you and shake you and shake you. And if you want to find another church that don't tell the truth, that's your problem. But in this church, I'm going to sound the alarm. I'm going to ring that bell and let you know that the time is now to awake out of our sleep and slumber. I'm not foolish, but I'm a virgin. Tonight, I'm asking you, church, to wake up in 2016. In 2016, I'm asking you to top up the oil. It's time to dress up for the marriage. It's time to be caught up to meet him. It's time to sup up with the lamb. It's time to sit up 
with the king of kings. It's time to bless up with the great I am. It's time, hallelujah, to be spotless the best I can. This church, this church needs oil. And while I'm in this flesh, you better pray God kill me because I'm going to keep preaching like this till I'm dead. I believe it. While I'm in this body, I will stir you. I will shake you. I will move your feet till you believe that you've got to have the anointing to break the yoke of this time. And Peter gave me an admonition, save myself from this untoward generation. We don't need a weak preaching. We need stronger preaching. We don't need less church. We need more church. We don't need less teaching. We need more teaching. More prayer. More calling upon the Lord. If there's ever a time I need light is now. I a government who want to Islamize me. Islamize my Bible. Try to make Jesus sound like he's something bad. Hello. Try to make me feel embarrassed to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. Give me four flats. Give me all in my lamp. Keep it. Give me all. Come on, believers, come on. Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning. Keep, keep it, it burning till the break of day. Oh, give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning. Keep it burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I, I pray. I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning. Keep me burning. Keep it burning till the break of day. It's time to get on fire for God. Keep me 